Welcome to Life Church Bath, and thank you for choosing this message. If you'd like to learn and hear more about who we are and what we get up to, please go to our website at lifechurchbath.com. Enjoy the message. We've, um, you know, for the last couple of weeks, we've just been wanting to, one, being led by the Lord um, when we're gathering, but also just um, posturing our hearts just to, as we gather on a Sunday morning, just be really open, open-handed with maybe the way that we've gathered and some of the structures. Um, but what have you noticed, regardless of what the Holy Spirit is doing, we still release the kids. Um, but the, you know, the posture around this sermon series that we started a few weeks ago called Light the City, it's really coming around two verses, one um, in Matthew, um, Matthew 5 or 4, if I can remember, where Jesus calls us his ecclesia, his people, declaring that we are the light of the world, like a city on a hill. And then the other verse in Isaiah 2 where it says, and the Lord will raise up his chief mountain, the mountain of the Lord, high, and the world will run to its light, saying, teach me your ways. There is an image in my mind that's caught my attention that I can't shake, that as we, the church, as we, the ecclesia in this city, become who God's called us to be, to obey him and and gather around what he's taught us, we become a bright light into this city. And with that, then, we must not be surprised when people see us and say, teach me your ways. And so there is a, there is a beautiful thing I see going on amongst us and in this city where we're following Jesus like we've always done, but with the expectation of that he's called us to be right here, right now in this city. Um, and, I, and I've just wanted to just um, sit at the feet of a few people um, that I have relationship with, that we have relationship with, um, who are doing the very thing that I've just described out of those two verses. Um, and uh, just for a few moments, few um minutes, um, we got the privilege of um, hearing from Alison Todd, who um, uh, I'd say is the CEO, is that a big word to use, for, of Mercy in Action. John is nodding, he, uh, his husband, so that means it's definitely right, she is the CEO. Um, but um, we're going to just hear from her, and uh, I'm going to just welcome Alison to the house. Alison, come on. I'm going to give you this microphone. Thank you. This is great. Um, hands up if you know this amazing woman. Look at that. No introduction needed. I'm nervous only for one reason is that we were neighbors. And so if you talk about anything to do with my childhood, your microphone's going to be turned off. <laughs> um, that's yes. in the agreement. We, we were neighbors. Yes. Yeah, you, we were, were. you were delightful. <laughs> <laughs> oh, she's being so Christian. Um, <laughs> No, I'm lying. That's so, not very Christian. Listen, we've got... Sorry, <laughs> 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 Jonathan. You fear the Lord, not me. Um, right. So, Alison. Yes. Tell us who you are. 
Tell us what you do. Tell us what moves you. Tell them, explain why I've got you here on the stage. Because you harassed me, that's why. <laughs> but anyway, uh, I'm Alison. It's so, so nice to be here. I've got to say, I don't know many people, but all those I do have probably have white hair. And we've all said hello this morning. So the exception of you. So lovely to be here with you all. Um, 25 years ago, John and myself set up a charity. Well, we didn't. We started raising money to support some kids in the Philippines. And that's a different story. That's still ongoing. And I'm so grateful to the church here that looked after that for a few years until we were big enough to become a charity in 2003. And... We carried on that, and we're still doing it, and that grows and grows. But five years ago, we felt led to start some projects in Bath. Now, when we started things in 1995, I think Genesis had just started their food bank. And there wasn't much else happening in Bath because it didn't need it. That was ample. And so five years ago, when we started to get involved, we still weren't really sure about the need here. And of course, 18 months later, COVID came along and we found out about the need and that's just grown and grown. So we've got, we've got three houses in Bath for young mums who are pregnant or got babies and are facing homelessness. I think those have seen something like 50 young women pass through them. And the idea of those is to provide somewhere that they can form safe, loving, secure attachments with their babies and move on to independence. And that's happened a lot. And then three years ago, we set up our first food bank. We've set up... Uh, we give away free clothes to families for their children. We provide for people in the community. We've got some rooms in Union Passage that are safe places for women to go and just hang out and cook together and talk together and share. That sort of thing is what we're doing in Bath. And now in Radstock as well. Wow. We mustn't forget Radstock because Bath is bigger than the city. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Um, can you share with us where, where, what moved you to do this? Like, what would be the thing that... What, what gets you out of bed every day going, this a cup, is what a cup of tea gets me out of bed. I don't move until I've had that. Thank you, John. <laughs> um, I would say yeah, there's several strands to that. Firstly, lived experience can really motivate us. It can either bury us or motivate us. And when I was about five, my mum decided that life was safer for her and me and my siblings if she refused to let my father back in the house. And so we went from having enough and plenty to being hungry for, I would say, probably eight years. And there's nothing like having been hungry to motivate you to make sure other people aren't. And there was a time when I'd say, every meal I give out redeems a meal of my childhood that I lost. I'm way beyond that now, but I feel that, yeah, that's redeemed because we can see other people fed and not going through that. The other thing simply is that Jesus told us to do it. No other reason, really. Jesus told us to feed the hungry, 
and even before that, Old Testament, look after the widow and orphan, care for people, and what we do for the least of them, we do for Jesus. And it's as simple as that, really, Jonathan. So, um... But within that, I could tell you some things that really give me joy in it. Because sometimes it can be hard. The things that give me joy, starting at the top, are I have got brilliant trustees that keep it all legal and good and bail me out when I get it wrong. I've got fantastic finance team who this week I found so joyful in the office because they had found something that was missing in the accounts and they'd accounted for it. And they'd spent days and days. I love my pantry managers and I don't know if Fiona and Lydia are here, I think they might be. Stand up. Stand up, Fee. Anyone here who works for Mercy in Action or who volunteers, I can see yeah, Annabelle, who we couldn't do without in Bear Flat, and <laughs> Hilary, who's a trust, the chair of the trustees, my current boss, that's a bit scary, but <laughs> never mind. <laughs> um, but when I see the pantry managers treating people with dignity and care and gentleness and making sure that even though they've worked all morning carrying food in and out, that people get the food they need and that the little boy who will only eat tuna fish, that tuna fish is saved for him so his mum can feed him. That gives me great joy. Can I um, share an observation? Um, since moving back here, um, 2020 before the pandemic and then walking that um, with you for a season where we were very linking in with the food pantry. One thing that I've learned um, living in this city is that with us, our city being a national heritage um, mm -hmm. city, what I've learned is that actually that means that maybe some of the greatest needs or issues in the city mm -hmm. are actually hidden to not affect tourism. And yes. so um, learning and, and, and probably what you're seeing day to day, and I would probably speak for us and for anyone living in the city or around the city, I would say that there is a genuine, um, what, it, it, just unknowing, unknowing actually what is the day to day need of members of our city. Could you just speak into the reality of that what you might not read in the Chronicle, you might not be mm -hmm. told by authorities, but what are you seeing on a day to day basis in the communities? Well, firstly, know? there are parts of our city that are among the 10% most deprived areas in the country. That's shocking. Mm. Also in our city, other 10% are most prosperous people in our country. So we are, we've got that inequality already between the really poor and the really rich. And as we all know, if we live here, Bath is expensive. The supermarkets are more expensive because it's Bath. Go out somewhere else and it's cheaper. So there's that disadvantage already. And within that, we have a, a welfare state that is underfunded for whatever reasons and the funds are not there to help people anymore it's just not there so we know of a family of seven if I've got my numbers right living in a two-bedroom flat uh, 
we've been to houses to deliver food where they've got no carpets, no curtains, no beds, no mattresses, nothing, with five children. And it is very real. And we have requests all the time, even from within the local council, for can we help somebody? Because they need to save their budget if they can, and they know that we might be able to help. And I can only apologize to my Facebook friends for all the time I say, has anybody got her or would anybody like to give her? And they always do. One evening, I asked for 400 pounds, I think it was, for a young mum who desperately needed a new cooker. I had three offers within 20 minutes. I accepted them all. <laughs> Tell us... Um Can I tell you something I read this week? Yeah, go on. Okay. So our former Prime Minister, Gordon Brown, I have to read this because I won't remember it, said, as charities take over from the welfare state as our national safety net and the food bank, not social security systems, become the last line of defence against destitution, it's difficult not to fear for the future in this country. That's, that's the honesty of it. Now, pre-welfare state, this is my little preach, bear with me. Mm. Pre-welfare state, it was the church and Christian philanthropists who mostly provided for people. The welfare state took that away from the church. Mm. They took that mantle off us and said, we don't need you, we can do this. And the church rolled over and let them do it largely. And church, it's time to take the mantle back. It really is. Because without it, nothing will change. But it won't change overnight. You can't sort of go, let's do a program next week. It takes a generation okay. to see change. So then speak into that. Speak to me of a future of where you see, where, where you feel like would be us, the body in the city, the whole church, what would, in 10 years' time, what do you prophesy? Put me on the spot. I think... Yeah, this if, wasn't in the questions, sorry. It wasn't I in think. the questions at all. <laughs> um, I think if we will release people into what they're passionate about Amen. and not sort of go, mm, do you think you're really mature enough to do that or good enough or have you got the qualifications? I was none of those. I really wasn't. I was just stubborn and wouldn't say no. I've raised stubborn children and stubborn grandchildren and I'm proud of every one of them. Um, but we've just got to release people. We've got to dare to do it. We've got to allow each other to make mistakes. Yes, we need the safeguarding, the governance, the good policies. You've got those. You've got all that in abundance. Yeah. It's releasing people to get out there, helping them train where they need to train. We need to know about trauma-informed care and all the other things. But people need to be out there, hmm. and then we'll see change. And if I knew exactly what that would look like, I'd be doing it, okay. but I don't. <laughs> I love your humility. <laughs> Could you pray that for us? Do you not think she's carrying something for us this morning? There's, there's a sense of like what you shared, Alison, of the, the, the church used to be known for its care. Mm. 
So could you pray for us that there would be um, the similar drive and the similar call that you see? Could you please pray for us? Because this isn't just for one or two people to catch this. This is a lifestyle. This is the culture of the house. If Jesus told us to do it, then what's the excuse? Mm -hmm. Could you teach us how to love our neighbors? Could you pray that over us? I will do. Father God, we do thank you that you're here, but we know as well you're out there. You're with every single hurting person in this city and in this region. And we know, more than we know anything else, we know that you love every single one of them. But Father, I know too that you've called the church to make a difference. And I just pray a boldness on this church that they would dare to break these walls down and go outside. That this church will start to shine like stars in the sky over this city. That they will break into every corner of darkness. And sometimes people are comfortable with the darkness because they don't like the light. But can we so see your light shine in this city? Father, will you raise up men and women of every age to do their bit, whatever it is they feel called to? Father, will you enable them and equip them and give them the boldness and the anointing to go out and change lives? Not just today or tomorrow or next week, but in the coming months and years and decades until you come again. Amen. 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 Alison, thank you. Um, one real quick question before we pray for you. How, what are your biggest needs? Our biggest needs always are tinned vegetables in the pantry. Honestly, we need tinned food. We always need it. We need volunteers in our pantry. If you've got a couple of hours a week to spare, we've got particular runs, either of delivering food to families, which is an absolute privilege and very humbling, of picking up food from supermarkets, of helping stack shelves. And we also have a paid job coming up, and that's 24 hours a week as a volunteer coordinator and also working directly for me and the board, helping me when I go, how do I get this onto Teams and helping me with reports and things. So if you think you would be interested in any of those, please come and see us later. And can I also say a big thank you to, I can see so many people here who for years and years and years have sponsored children and helped us and been out to the Philippines and volunteered. We really, really could not do this without you. It just wouldn't happen. So thank you all. Wonderful. Um, Alison, can you stick around after the church, after service, so people can come and talk to you? Could we just bless um, this amazing woman? John, could I ask you just to come up and stand with Alison too? Come on, John. You know, it's a, it's a privilege not only to be um, challenged and shown um, what's possible with childlike faith, but also um, for us, Life Church Bath, this is a privilege also just to pray a blessing um, and an increase over this couple as they are taking the light of the kingdom into this city. Could, could we just stretch our hands to this couple? Um, and why don't we just say um, together, we bless you, mercy and action, okay? One, two, three. 
Father, we just pray an increase. And Father, where there is need, um, even need, Lord, that they don't even know today, Father, would you bring the people, the resources. And, and I hear the Father say over both of you that you're not dreaming big enough, um, that you think that this location change um, was the increase, but there is more coming for you guys, that actually where you guys are to be planted, it's much more regionally than it is um, in Twerton right now. So I just pray a blessing of favor and also, Lord, that you would open doors that no man can open and you would bring the right people to stand with these guys as they take the light into the city. Amen. 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 Thank you, guys. Look at the time. Right. I want us to do um, just, I want us to end in um, prayer this, this, this morning and we're going to take communion. Um, if you don't have a communion pod on you, if you raise your hand, the hospitality team are going to come and give one to you. I can see some over there at the front. Roof, have one of mine. Um, Um, just keep your hands up if you haven't got a communion pod. I'm just going to pray. Father, I, I, Father, I just give you this um, short um, time that we have together, Lord, that you would just um, direct my words. And Father, that we would, um, you'd get us to the very place that you have in your heart for us this morning. Um, Many times when you, um, for, for myself, when I've prayed into and looked at sermon series and what the Lord has shared with me, you, you normally have an idea of where to start and then an idea somewhere down the road of where it's going to end. But you find that as you walk the path in life, you find surprises and things that come up that you never could have planned for. And um, very much this sermon series is for me was birthed walking through the city this year and it was you could say it was the first Sunday first day of 2023 where the light came through those clouds and hit the beautiful bath stone which just lit up the city um, and I was walking through the city with Dan um, Reynolds at the time and we were I was talking to him about what I was sensing and he just said oh it's like the sun is here, lighting the city. And I thought, yes, that's it. That the kingdom of the, of the light of the kingdom, this city deserves the light of the kingdom. And I've been, um, and I know many of us have, and this city has been just very aware of the tragic incident um, in the city um, that happened last week, not that far away from this building. And um, as we are, as the church, seeking to be the salt and light in our community and praying for everyone affected in any way as this has affected, um, it has affected families, it has affected schools, is that we have an opportunity um, this morning, church, to pray for this city for a specific need because there has been a tragedy that's happened. And I just felt like that all week I've been... Um, Asking the Lord clearly, Lord, what is it is our response um, this morning and for us to walk out of here 
um, carrying the city in our hearts. Because I, I do believe that there is, we all have our individual walks with Jesus. You can all think about how he is discipling you individually. And then at the same time, you, you may be part of a family, you may be living with a family or part of a wider family network where you gather together and you're discipling into, in, inside people's in your homes and you're a part of the family in here. And we actually, as this body, the body of Christ across the city, we, we're not just carrying and thinking about ourselves, we're also carrying and thinking about the city and the nation that God has put us in that we carry that responsibility of, Father, it's not just bless me, it's also bless my neighbor. It's also bless the street that I live in. It's bless the area of this city I live in. It's bless this city. Bless this nation, Lord. And there are two um, verses that I've been wrestling with and how the Lord has um, led me to. And the first one is Luke 9, um, verses Uh, 9.53-55, Um, it's a very small um, passage that I'll read out to you, and this was Jesus on the way to Jerusalem, and in Luke 9.53 it says, "The, the town that Jesus was heading to to stop, he had sent disciples ahead of him to say, prepare Prepare the, a room for me. Prepare a meal for me. Jesus is coming. This city is ready to receive Jesus. And in verse 30, 53, it says, but the people did not receive him. That is a, a whole city rejecting Jesus Christ. Not one person or two. It's the people in that city rejected him. And because his face was set towards Jerusalem, And when his disciples, James and John, saw it, they said, Lord, do you want us to tell fire to come down from heaven and consume them? But Jesus turned and rebuked them. You see, the disciples were thinking that they were speaking on behalf of God. And I know you could look back into the prophets, look at the, uh, the story of Isaiah. There's examples for that. But here you see the disciples watching Jesus being rejected, an offense. Something going on that was wrong. And their response, thinking that they were speaking on behalf of the Lord was, I know what to do here, Jesus. Leave it with me. You see, that kind of response from James and John, that comes, from, that comes from the heart. That level of bringing an idea of that because Jesus, something has gone wrong, then the response from his disciples is because they have done wrong, they must suffer and pay the price. And just to remind you a few verses before we read this, the disciples were arguing among themselves of who is the greatest. You've got really this scripture, this verse for us is just a a wonderful picture of where sometimes the followers of Jesus can forget who they are, who they're following, and also the response that comes out of your mouth when you receive adversity for your faith. 
What is your response when there is a rejection because of who you follow? Now, hear me. I've never heard anyone in my life say someone rejected Jesus as I was ministering to them, so I called fire down on them. (laughs) Never heard that. But church, we must protect ourselves where when we receive rejection or pain or persecution that we do not harbor any unforgiveness. That we do not harbor anything against our brothers and sisters. Where it says that Jesus turned, you know, that obviously he says he rebuked them, but that's to reprimand, strongly warn, a restrain. Jesus was restraining his followers to say, don't do that. That's not how we respond. Another verse that's, um, that's not in um, ESV version, it's in the New King James. He then says, Jesus, after he rebuked him, says, you do not know what manner of spirit you are of. Which Jesus was recognizing there was a spirit coming out of the disciples that was not of God, which is why he stopped it. Then later on in Luke, Luke 13, 33 to 35, Jesus is overlooking the city of Jerusalem. And he says this, Nevertheless, I must go on my way today and tomorrow and the day following, for it cannot be that a prophet should perish away from Jerusalem. Verse 34, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it. How often would I have gathered your children together as hen gathers her brood under her wings, and you were not willing. Behold, your house is forsaken, and I tell you, and you will not see me until you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. In the first verse that I read, you see the heart posture of what comes out of the disciples, and Jesus rebuked it. The verse that I've just read, you see the heart of Jesus towards the lost. And Jesus is overlooking a city and he's saying, I wish you you would come to me. I wish that I could have brought you in under my wings for safety, warmth, so that I could teach you my ways. So that you would know who you were as a son and a daughter. So that you would not be blind. So that you would not be fighting one another. That I would bring you in under my care so that I could hold you. Can you see the difference? How we view this city or the city that you were born in or the nation that you're from a street how you view it you I want you to ask the Holy Spirit have I been given a view from either social media or someone's hurt and offense has painted a picture of something that you are now standing on and applying to that person that street that area because For us to be the light of Christ, it means we have to behave and speak like Christ. Amen? The bar has been set for us in this house. And it's in any house across this city that is a part of the kingdom. 
is that we've been told, John 13, Jesus gave us a new command. He said, love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. With the, with the tragedy that happened last week, church, I feel provoked for us to ask the questions in ourselves first before I um, talk about what we're going to do um, in a moment to pray for our city, was that we, we cannot show the light of the kingdom to the city if we're not doing it within the house. Is that true? And so no, no sort of, no bigging this up or anything, but I just wanted to ask all of us the question because I've asked the question myself. If there is any unforgiveness in our hearts this morning, can we forgive? The, the communion pot that you're holding in your hand, the blood, the bread, everything that you have in your hand is the symbol of the cross and the cross is the ultimate image of forgiveness. And for us as a body, and as Jesus said in John, if you love one another, then the world will know that you're my disciple. So with the cup in your hand, just ask in your heart, ask the Holy Spirit right now, if there is any unforgiveness in my heart, why don't we just deal with it right now before we move forward? I'm just going to give a few moments on that. If, um, you know, if there's anyone here you're thinking of someone that's not in this room, you can send them a text and say, are you free to chat in an hour? It's funny, I've just got six text messages come to my phone. Um, there's a reason of why I've just done that for us, is because what I would love for us to do is to... Um, take communion together in groups but specifically just to lift up our city um, I've, I've been so aware this week of um, the response from individuals, from families, from areas and really a stirring within the city that is crying out for revenge for what's happened and I've been so moved in myself of thinking how do how does the light of Christ come into a moment like this like Jesus said when he had compassion over Jerusalem it was a no accusation no um, he was not carrying anything other than compassion for a nation that did not know what they were doing you know, the cup and the bread that you're holding in your hand. If you remember the one, some of the last words that Jesus said on the cross, as his, as his um, perpetrators were um, torturing him and murdering him, he said in that very moment, 
Father, forgive them for they do not know what they're doing. Setting an example for us this morning that in the pain that some of you may be feeling right now by remembering someone you may be harboring unforgiveness for is that Jesus set the example of that he forgave them in that moment. You know, justice without Christ is revenge. And there is a opportunity that we have this morning to proclaim the cross over our city so that the blood of Jesus runs through our streets. And so um, can I ask everybody to stand? Uh, and um, for, for us as a body this morning to lift up our city and plead the blood of Jesus and plead forgiveness and that what the enemy has tried is trying to do evil, that the Lord in Genesis 50, Joseph said, would turn for good and that the prayers in this house have the power to shift what the enemy is trying to do in this city. Amen? I really want to raise faith in this room that when we do something like this church, this is just our prayers are not just going into thin air. We have the power to change an atmosphere of our city this morning. Do you believe that? And, and it just takes by recognizing we're, we all go to the foot of the cross right now. And we're going to pray that right now for everyone involved in this whole city, that the Lord would turn what the enemy meant for evil, that this is going to turn into something that's going to bring the light into this city like it's never been before. Amen? Go for it. <laughs>